On this week's episode of the Cook's Corner, well, Butcher Barbecue Podcast, heck, it's all the same, we get the privilege to talk to Sam Dotson, a cook that contacted me that said he was needing some help also. So, here it is. Welcome to the Butcher Barbecue Podcast, world headquarters, Wellston, Oklahoma, the butcher turned pitmaster, your host, David Bosca. Welcome everybody to this week's episode of the Butcher Barbecue Podcast. This is going to be our Cook's Corner number two. This week we have Sam Dotson on the line. He is what we would call a backyard enthusiast, a rookie in the KCBS world. He's done one, two, maybe three, but far from being a a pro at it. Okay. He contacted me and would love to do a cook's corner and just kind of go over what he's got going, what he's got going in his head, what he'd like to implement. And so here we are, we're talking, Sam, say hello to everybody. Hi, how's it going? Really good, bud. Would you call yourself a backyard enthusiast? Just like I said, trying to get into the KCBS world. Oh yeah, for sure. I, I've been cooking for quite a while. Uh, in the backyard, uh, have a couple hasty bakes and I uh, love to barbecue, love to cook for friends and family and, uh, then got competitive, uh, like a lot of things and cooked with, with a, a team or helped with the team. Uh, so got a little taste of competition barbecue and then, uh, just kind of gotten hooked. So love learning online, love learning in person, doing anything I can to get better. But yeah, I'm just an amateur for sure. Well, that's exactly what I thought you were going to say. So that's good. That means I can maybe throw my wisdom out, whether it's right or wrong. I don't know, but this will just be my thoughts on it. What did you do before? You said you cooked with a team. Tell us just a quick history about what you did with the team and what has happened to that team. Yeah, for sure. Um, I right out of college kind of moved away and, uh, but several of my buddies that were here in uh, the area, uh, for, we were all went to Oklahoma State, so we're all college buddies, and they started a barbecue team, started cooking uh, in Bixby, and then in a couple other local uh, competitions. And so I came back to Tulsa and started helping them. One of the main cooks we did was in Bixby, and um, we were just definitely guys that we tried to get in the very back. Uh, if you know the Bixby area, we tried to get in back. Uh, because we were pretty loud and um, just had a great time at it, but we didn't have, you know, really any expectations. Then started getting a little bit of success, got a call every now and then, and uh, uh, I really was just, there was two brothers that started the team, uh, and myself and a couple of the others, we were mainly just the door holders and tried to help out any way we could, grab stuff when needed, things like that. Um, but kind of that came to an end in 2018 but i had really kind of gotten the bug for cooking barbecue by then and so i was just hooked on it and i wanted to keep going i wanted us to keep doing it and i wanted us to keep doing more competition but uh one of the brothers had moved away and a couple of the other uh folks kind of no longer had an interest in doing the competition barbecue anymore and so I started my own team in 2019, and I cooked the first competition on my own, uh, which was, was in Bigsby in 2019. Uh, and I didn't have a partner. I just had my brother-in-law, my wife, and another gentleman that kind of came a, a little bit and helped me. Uh, but it was a lot to do all on my own for the first time, and uh, I learned a lot. I cooked, got 12th in brisket that year, which... I didn't get a call, but man, I was so excited when I saw that I got the scores back inside, so gotten 12. So went through, did another cook in 2019, then kind of everything hit in 2020 uh, with COVID and all the barbecue contents got canceled. And so um, that kind of put everything on hold. And um, that's kind of where I'm at. Hopefully 2021, we can do a few contests uh, and go from there. All right. You said you started your own team. What's your team name? My team name is Bull in the Ring Barbecue. Bull in the uh, Ring Barbecue. Very nice. Yeah. And yep. what are you cooking on? I cook on Hasty Bakes and I have a pellet smoker. Okay. The so. Hasty Bakes, the full size Ranger, which one? Which ones? I have a Legacy, uh, so the regular, you know, their standard uh, model, uh, backyard model, and then I have a Ranger as well. Okay. 
So Very nice. I'll, I'll do I've got the things. legacy myself. And for those that don't know, Hasty Bake is a charcoal cooker. You can use lump or briquettes in it. Yep. So I just want to catch everybody up on that. All right. Well, let's just dive right in. You're wanting yeah. to do some competition cooking, um, KCBS style. What would you say is one of the first things you'd like to know? Is it from the beginning, from the end? Where do you want to start, and what do you think you need some help with? Uh, meat collection is very hard. Um, I was listening to your last Cook's Corner, and it, it is really difficult, especially if you're just sourcing from you know, your metro area. Uh, I, I feel okay with finding chicken, um, even pork for the most part, but finding ribs and brisket to me seems really hard. You know, I, I know that you obviously may have some different sources, but what, what do you think the best way to source good ribs, maybe outside of say going online and going to Compart or some other online okay. location to keep, if let's just keep it simple for most everyone, let's say, let's start okay. with ribs. Let's say you're the type that is going to be going in and out of grocery stores, big box stores, um, wholesale clubs. It doesn't matter if it's December, January, or July. I always stop and look at ribs. If you yeah. don't have a deep freeze and you want to get into competition cooking, you need to at least try to find a small one. I bought yeah, two no. slabs of ribs just this last weekend. I was walking through a store and I went, holy cow, look at those. So I grabbed them. I don't have, well, I do have like five contests set up this year already, but I'm always looking at ribs. Don't wait until the time you need it. Okay. The hardest thing for me is to find ribs here in Oklahoma. There's no doubt about it. I'm with you on that. So that's why I shop Every day I go to the store, not every day, but you know what I mean? Every time I go to the store, right. I'm always looking at them. I'd say 95% of the time, I don't find anything that meets my criteria. But when I do find it, I feel like I've hit a home run, especially the week of a contest. Do you do the research, the wholesale clubs? Yeah, usually go to the wholesale clubs at Costco. Um, okay. But the ribs, typically they're the St. Louis style ribs come in a three pack. And what I find is there'll be one, usually three racks in there, and one rack is pretty good um, and turns out well. Uh, and I've used it in a couple of competitions, and they've, they've been fine. But a lot of times the other two racks are not, not great. They're pretty thin. Uh, the bones aren't very straight. Uh, the structure is not very good. Contrary to popular opinion, they do not package them that way on purpose. <laughs> right, I know. Yeah, it's it just that the, way, but. Yeah, it's just going down the line, and that's what falls in a package. Right. But the brand of ribs that they carry used to be Swift, and I believe they still do. And those are really nice ribs when you can get some good ones, no doubt about it. Yeah. I just have found that you've got to get several packages, so uh, and they're priced affordably. I just seem to, with ribs, I can't seem to get good thickness on the rib. They tend to be you know, fairly thin on the meat. And, and then getting straight bones is, is pretty difficult. I have never worried too much about straight bones. Dude, don't get hung okay. up with that. You can cut okay. your ribs accordingly to where the top of them still look straight. Here's a good way to, for me to structurally tell this on a telephone. Okay. Take a okay. piece of notebook paper, the lines on the notebook run them straight up and down to you. Don't make them run sideways like you're going to ride on them. Okay. Now, picture in that, those lines are the bones. If you are looking for those perfectly state, sorry, if you're looking for those perfectly straight bones, that's how they want to look. But most of them aren't. Okay. They're kind of sideways, aren't they? So tilt your paper yeah, sure. just a little bit one way or the other way. It doesn't matter. Now, to make a straight cut, you're going to have to touch a line, let's say on the left side. And as your knife comes down, it's going to have to just go right beside the rib bone on the other side. Right. And the same way, go to the other side of the rib bone, it's going to do the same thing. And you're going to say, yeah, but the top of it's now going to be crooked. 
what you do is after it's been sliced and cut, cut that top straight. I mean, that okay. when presentation's okay. being shown to a judge, you have to picture the way the boxes are held. They're held with the um, lid propped open. The box is tilted down, and it goes along the table as they're showing it. Your rib bones and the meat is what's shown, not that very top. That very top okay. is usually to the hinge of the lid. I always will just dab that off, cut it off, square it off, whatever you want to call it, dunk it on some sauce right there on the table, and put it in a box. Okay. That makes sense. That and it's sense. just really simple. I don't get hung up with, man, those are great-looking ribs, but bones are crooked. I'd rather cook a great rib and make them straight. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, a lot of times I'm only taking maybe two or three of the ribs out of a rack because you know, I'm trying to get you know matched up straight bones, but I could probably make some of those work on that yeah, same rack. I usually, how many ribs do you normally cook? I usually will cook four to five racks per competition. Okay. That's not out of the ordinary. I'm a two, maybe a three rib cooker if I've gotten a good selection. And I do it just for selection. But the more you have to go through, the longer it takes to pick. Um, right. I hate to be that way, but it will. If you're going to have a big crowd like what you're always talking about, makes sense. Gives them something all to go eat on. Right. Yeah. I don't have as big a crowd anymore, but yeah, that makes does make sense. But I've done that many just because of the fact I wasn't getting, or at least I didn't feel like I was very, getting very good structured racks. So I was having to only take a little bit from several racks. On the slab itself, where do you like to pull your slices out of? I'm, I'm typically pulling from, uh, say, the fourth, fifth, sixth bone in. Uh, from, from the, the thicker side or side. the thinner side? Yeah, yeah the, the thicker side. I'd say I'm pretty close to the same. I'm generally starting three, maybe four, but yeah, but I don't like to get all the way down to that thin end. So we're about the same. Yeah, no. Uh, Any other questions it, for selection on ribs? I know we have went over what to look for. Do we need to go over that again? No, I, I think I feel pretty good. I like your comments that you made about the flap, looking for the marbling and looking for that intermuscular fat in the flap. Mm -hmm. And, you know, knowing that that then possibly makes it carry all the way through. I thought that was a really good comment from your last conversation. Okay. I would add, though, uh, I've heard you say, and I heard you, I think on the last podcast, even say, you know, don't go buy a, a Wagyu brisket if you don't cook that many competitions. You know, don't spend the money and don't spend the money if you're not used to cooking it because it's going to cook differently. That's but the would comment. You rec not, yep. I didn't, I hope it didn't come across as don't go buy one if you don't spend the money. I, my comment was more of don't buy one for a contest if you've never cooked one. Okay. 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 That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, that's expensive practice. <laughs> it is very expensive practice and there's no doubt about yeah. it, but yeah. but does that make sense? If you're, if you perfected yeah. your schedule, your timing for a great choice or a prime brisket, and then you go to the Super Bowl, and we're going to put in a quarterback we've never used before. So look to that, to that end, do you recommend, is it the same recommendation then, say, for uh, like compart ribs? Yes, to a point. Because they do have so much more fat. They have they are a very high marbled rib. They are beautiful. So they right. can have a tendency to get a little softer. I'm not going to say mushy because I've never seen a mushy. But if you're used to buying a commodity brand rib that's really lean, you may be trying to cook it a little longer or a little less to keep it from drying out. And then you'll get to these and you're like, my gosh, it's not even done. And then as you go to cook it, it's going to get mushy because the fat has cooked so much. Yeah. All right. I was just wondering, I feel pretty comfortable with my cooks on ribs. I mean, I think there's something that, um, you know, I don't ever obviously probe the ribs and, I feel like I have a pretty good eye for their doneness level. And uh, so I, I, I don't feel like I'd feel uncomfortable cooking the compart ribs. I just, 
I've heard your comment on the brisket and Wagyu a couple different times, so didn't know if it kind of held the same. Yeah, and and I sure hope I haven't misled anyone by saying don't cook a Wagyu at a contest if you've never cooked one. Yes, you can, but be prepared. It will change. Sure. I think that's it on ribs. I think I feel pretty good about my my flavor profile and um, I've, I've seen lots of ribs. As I mentioned to you, I, in 2020, I took the CBJ class, uh, and I've actually judged a, a couple comps or well, one comp that was a double. I've seen, so I've seen a lot of ribs and I feel like I have a pretty good idea knowing what I like. I think taking a CBJ class is wonderful because it actually instructs a beginner cook on what their goals need to be. And what I mean by that is KCBS tells the judges how to judge the meat. And by doing that, that instructs the cooks on how we need to have it cooked properly. Let's just take ribs, for example. Yes, we say, or I'm sorry. Yes, KCBS says they want that perfect bite through. They don't want that bone to pull out all the way. It just shouldn't fall off. Well, that's how they tell the judges, but they instruct them as the whys and how comes. An overcooked ribs, I mean, you can steam a rib to heck and right. the bone just slide right out. Is it overcooked? Not for some, but it is the way that they're instructing the judges to score us. So it tells the cook a roadmap on how to cook a rib, the proper way that they do it. Like even on the pork, they instruct them to take a bite. And if the pork just sticks to the roof of their mouth with their tongue, it's mush. It's overcooked. It need to have some kind of texture. And they also instruct them on all the categories that whenever you go to eat, the first thing you need to do is check for tenderness. And while you're chewing for tenderness, let the flavors come through and judge your taste second. But a lot of people will take a bite of anything. I mean, mashed potatoes or whatever. First thing they want to do is eat and go, oh, wow, that's got some pepper in it. Well, by the time their mind thinks about the flavor and what they're picking up, sweet, salty, sugar, whatever, they haven't even considered the tenderness. So at least KCBS instructs them to judge tenderness first flavor second so i think taking the yep. judging class is a big plus yeah that's why i did it i wanted to not only have a different experience in the barbecue competitions but i i wanted to to try to learn something so at least see flavors that were uh, being presented and and taste see if i was on the right track or, or if i was way far away from what you know judges were looking for uh, I'm also, we don't compare scores at all, um, but at least you, you have an understanding and later you can see the scores and what your scores were to the table's average. So you can see if as a judge, if you were far off or not as well. So, yeah, but they don't actually instruct you to s say what a good tasting rib is. That's still personal preference. No, it is for sure. Yeah. I just wanted to clarify that. It's not that they go in there and you can pay your fees to be a, a CBJ and come out going, okay, this is what a perfectly tasting chicken should be. It's not. They'll tell you how to properly eat and judge right. the chicken. Taste is 100% speculation. Yeah, that's for sure. That's for sure. I mean, some people like a lot spicier and um, they do say that, you know, the taste is on you. Um, it's your subjective opinion so well that's good that those are the things you got out of it i think you're you're on the right path of being honest with yourself if i say that in any of these cook's corners podcast i'm going to say it a hundred times you have to be honest with yourself before you can change because you will beat yourself in the head saying i make the most perfect brisket and it's not competition brisket there is a difference you may have a good brisket but is it a great brisket? Because these podcasts are about competition cooking. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we owe it. I'm maybe even a little harder on myself. I'll think something. I'm like, oh, that's pretty good. And then um, with, in, with my team and my 
our other team, we we would sometimes think it wasn't that great, and then it would get a better result, and then vice versa. We would think, oh, that's really good. Those are those are killer ribs, and and they would not score very well. So, <laughs> what else okay. do you need to chat about to help with your competition? Uh, my most difficult meat for me, for sure, is pork. Being consistent, cooking. You know, money muscles is extremely difficult. It took a long time to learn. Uh, I don't maybe I don't feel like there was as much information. Um, maybe pork was a little bit more of a secret uh, than it is now. I think you can get on a bunch of different sources online uh, to learn more about pork. But I, I just it's hard also to cook a pork butt or even a brisket because it's such a lot of meat. Um, it's just my wife and son and I, so cooking on pork butter too, that's quite a bit of meat to give away as well. But I really ask, is it a temp or a feel on the money muscles that you're trying to get to at a comp? First off, let me tell you, I feel that the reason pork butts and briskets are the hardest to cook in competition is because when you get started cooking, most of the time in the backyard, you're cooking chicken, a steak. And for a weekend, most people will cook a ribs. That's not a sure. after work cook because it takes longer. So pork and brisket is generally never practiced. It's something that's not second nature to a cook coming into the world. Now to answer your question, I'm a temperature person. I am not a feel person. I okay. do all of my cooking by temperature. What I would recommend is get to know your cooker. Would you say you're cooking your pork butts on the Ranger or your pellet cooker? I'm sorry, your Legacy or your pellet cooker? Yeah, I'm cooking on the Legacy at least uh, until I wrap. Um, there are times that when I, after I do my wrap, I'll put it on the pellet cooker just because it usually has the temp maintained that I want and I don't want to fluctuate too much. But once I feel like I've got all my taste and flavor from the smoke and um I've got to that wrap. I'm definitely cooking on the hasty bake. I, I get that. And that makes perfect sense. I'm glad to hear you understand that you can use more than one cooker. So right. Right. let's start with your pork. Okay. You say you're concentrating on the money muscle, but you're having a hard time getting it. Have you ever found what temperature or feel you're looking for? Has it ever happened once or twice? And you're like, gosh, wish I could do that every time. Well, I'm trying to cook to a temperature, um, uh, shooting for, and could be wrong, but shooting for like 197, 198, and then, uh, removing it, removing the money muscle and then wrapping them and letting, you know, there be carryovers, putting them in a cooler, uh, and having them wrapped up and have carryover. It just doesn't seem to be consistent. And it also comes down to usually the pork butts that I'm getting, I think, too. I mean, sometimes I trimmed it up. I've kind of trimmed around the money muscle a little bit. And some of them will just turn out super small. I mean, really small. And then sometimes I feel like I'm getting to that 197 every time. But sometimes it's mushy and you try to slice the money muscle and it, you know, it's just turning in old. And sometimes I slice it and it's under at 197 okay. let's start with where you're putting your temperature probe in the money muscle where and that all starts with what you're wanting to present in your box okay, okay. on a money muscle the money muscle almost tapers down on one end where are you wanting to pull your slices from uh, ideally that fatter end of the money muscle the bigger I always kind of say they turn out like teardrops <laughs> okay. uh, on, the, on them, but on that bigger end. That's that's perfect. Now, is that where you're temperature probing? No, I'm typically sticking it uh, long ways, um, if that makes sense, on mm -hmm. the money muscle. So the length of the money muscle into the thinner end, because I feel like, well, if I know what temp that thinner end is, then I have an idea of where the, the bigger, thicker end is. That would be true, but what does that end matter if you're not even wanting to slice it? I would find, and Makes the reason I, I can give you what we pull ours at, 
but it makes no difference because my airflow is different. The time in my cooker makes all the difference. If you're cooking a pork butt for 12 hours, 195 to 197 is great. If you're cooking a pork butt for five hours, you better be at 203, 205. And it can be coming off the same pig because it's the time that it's in the breakdown period for that connective tissue. Okay. I pull mine at 203. Mine is, I don't know how long you cook yours and I'm not here to try to get that out of you. Okay. That's don't get me wrong. That's not what I want you on the cook's corner for is to divulge everything. If you want to, for me to help you with that, fine. But I'll tell you what I do. Mine goes on at five in the morning and usually between 10 and 11, we're done. Yeah. And, this actually is a big topic that I wanted to ask about is I have been cooking on my hasty bakes more of a low and slow. Um, but I feel like from everything I'm seeing and hearing and then especially confirming what you just said, I, I should cook hotter and faster. I'm just going to play I'm devil's advocate to your statement. Okay. Okay. I don't disagree with it, but the devil's advocate side of me wants to say, What makes you think you should? I think if you understand your pit and you can cook properly cooked meat in 10 hours, why change? If you can't, and this is the way I like about this short, hot, and fast stuff, there's less time for screw-ups, okay? It's that simple. My thought on cooking hotter and faster is, the principle that I'm essentially cooking over the top of the fire with the hasty bake, much like a, a can or, or some mm-hmm. other like it. And I've been very inconsistent with the uh, tenderness at the same temps. So that was kind of my obviously thought process and idea to try to correct, you know, the, that finishing right or wrong. I don't, I don't know. It just was kind of my trying to cure what was ailing me. Okay. Well, let's, let's try to help with this. I am not a fan of cutting off a money muscle and setting it to the side for a couple hours while the rest of the pork butt gets done. I just, I'm just not a fan of that. Okay. Yeah. Let me help you with leaving it connected and getting the whole pork butt done at the same time. Okay. Is that possible? Yes. Will it take work? Yes. This is what I would recommend trying. Let's take your hasty bake legacy grate. And I'm guessing, seems like it's 18 inches up and down and about 24, 26 wide. Does that sound about right? Yeah, I think so. I, okay. Maybe I had the hair more wider, but yeah, about okay. that. Okay, yeah. perfect. When you load your charcoal, let's... Make sure that you're getting your airflow properly. What if you loaded your charcoal all the way to the back of the smoker? Let's say run it from left to right, only six inches from the back wall up the grate. Okay? Okay. And then you can lower it down and raise it up just like the Hasty Bakes designed to do. And then you put your money muscles, make sure you place your meat. Note to podcast. Make sure you put your meat on the grate the same way every time. If you put your money muscles over the charcoal at a test cook, make sure you do that during a contest. If you want to pull a brisket and your slicers are coming off end A versus B, make sure that is in the airflow the same way every time. Okay, back to podcast. Now, if you're cooking this pork butt, put your thick part that you're not going to slice over the charcoal or closest to the charcoal. Put your money okay. muscle in the coolest spot. Okay. okay. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. And sure. that will allow the heat. And if you're wanting to find out how much heat difference that is, do the biscuit test. Are you familiar with that? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Place okay. Biscuits on a great different places. Seeing which That's exactly right. Quicker, so. and, 
And you can find that out, especially on a hasty bake. This is what's beautiful about those cookers. You can lower that charcoal down and pile more of it up in the back and still generate a lot of heat over that thick bone-in part and keep that money muscle a lot cooler, but still get them done at the same time. And you can learn by that with your biscuits. Yeah, that makes sense. And let's say that it's not exactly working out right. How else can you make it work? What about a heat shield? What if you was to put your charcoal on that lower shelf and put in a, let's say an L underneath your charcoal and it come up three inches just to keep the heat deflected back just a little bit more. That would, yeah, that would I keep use, it. I use ahead. a heat shield. So they have a heat shield that goes over the top of mm-hmm. the, the, what they call it, the firebox. So I do use that. I just typically put my, my coals by the door, Yep. Um, which, which that does make sense because it, there is vents right there by the door. So it, it is really susceptible to, you know, wind changes and heat changes. So that does make sense. If their heat shield, if I remember correctly, diffuses it and makes it go all the way around, doesn't it? It does. It's about, it's like a half heat shield. So it only covers like half of the firebox. Okay. Um, you might have to remove that to do a test. Okay. Because you need the heat to go up and not towards your money muscle. That's going to be your airflow question. That's why you're going to need to run a biscuit test. Put it on, take it off, run the charcoal one way, spoosh, sp- okay. sorry, scoot it to another area. You see what I'm saying? But if the heat shield yeah. changes it and it does its job and it diffuses it and makes it go evenly across the grate, that's perfect. But that's not what you're trying to accomplish. Um, so you may have to cook without it and just have, let's say a shield go eight inches straight up from the charcoal towards the grate. And then that'll keep the heat to the back of the grate at the cooking level and not up on the money muscle as much. That makes sense. And another thing to try also, let's say that doesn't work, or it might be in combination of using that. And then what if you took some aluminum foil and folded it three or four times just to make it a little thick. And just laid your pork butt on top of it to where the money muscle is the only thing over that fall. One more heat shield, and you know it's directly yeah. protecting that. Uh, yeah, that's, that's a good good point. There's multiple ways you can work with pork butts. I do the same thing with FEs. My heat on a pellet cooker comes up the back wall. So that's where I put my thick stuff. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So that's the good start. Like I said, you can cut them off and put them in a cambro. I, I, I'm not saying it can't be done. I have not mastered it. I, I wished I did. Then it would be foolproof. Let's say I've never found a foolproof way to where I thought that money muscle was as good two hours later as it was within five minutes of cutting it off. I always felt that I've got some kind of degradation coming out of it by setting it to the side. That's good to know because I've, I've been shooting for those holding for a little while and then coming up. So maybe that'd be the difference in my temperature because you're not having any carryover then on them. You're, you're slicing them and then putting them in the box. Right. They, I don't open up my meat after they're wrapped. Um, even in a Cambro, um, let's take the pork butts. Let's say they're late right. coming off and it's 11 o'clock. Put them in a pan. I throw them in the Cambro. They sit there till after I clean up from slicing ribs. I open them up and I get started. Well, I hope that helps. Anything else on the yeah, pork? For sure. Um, do you, uh, this is kind of the age old question. I know it's the uh, preference, but all, are you ever just turning in money muscle? Or are you always putting some? I try to put two types. Two types. Okay. Yeah. I only cook two pork butts, so I will never have enough money muscles to make a box looks full. Okay. Let's keep rolling. What else you got? Several questions. Uh, chicken has been something that in the beginning, it was something that we did well on. And then, uh, I have not done, done very well on it. I've been considering just because of a couple different reasons, but I've been considering doing legs, but it doesn't seem like and even judging, it doesn't seem like very many people do legs around here. Any any thoughts on 
giving that a try or he thinks I think size are the standard. Setting yourself aside in a judge's tent is not a bad thing. Okay. Okay. I'm a thighs. I do thighs. I like cooking thighs. I got that process down for thighs. <laughs> Drums are extremely tasty. And I think they're easier to cook yeah, as sure. far as the meat. I think you can do what we call blow out a leg a, lot, a little easier with that skin, the way it comes down the leg bone. But a right. properly cooked drumstick, I think, can win anywhere equal to a thigh. There was a lot of teams across the nation in the last five, six years have taken the chicken by storm Mastering drums. So, yeah, it's definitely a lot less work. I already know that. I've, I've practiced several times using um, legs. I just haven't done them in the competition because um, I always get to the point where I'm like, I've been practicing, doing well, and then I say, no, nope, I'm going to fall back on what I know. You know, get a little nervous of turning in legs. Don't get nervous with turning them in because it's a different meat. If it's perfectly cooked and it's as good or better than your other one, man, you need to roll with it. I, I always say that about chicken breast. I think a absolutely perfectly cooked chicken breast can win at a contest without a doubt, but it better be perfectly cooked. And people go, well, right. it dries out so fast. Well, yeah, so does a brisket. A perfectly cooked brisket needs to be cooked right. So does a chicken breast. It was probably 2013, 14. We were cooking and I wanted to do chicken breast. So I remember we was headed to the Jack that year. And part of their rules are you have to turn in white meat along with dark meat. So I cooked chicken breast. So for the first half of the year, and I don't remember the numbers, so let's say we cook 10 contests. Out of those 10 contests, five of them, we got top five calls in, okay, with chicken breast and thighs in a box. The back half of the year, we did 10 contests. We did not do chicken breast. We did just thighs. We had five top five calls. But four of them was top three to where they were not with the breast. See what I'm saying? Yeah. The chicken thighs were good. I'm sorry. The chicken breast were good, but it wasn't perfect. So it just held us back just a little bit to where we might have won categories at that time. Yeah, I know that one of the reasons also I was looking at doing it is I know that especially even from from judging that you um you know doesn't it's not a requirement to have bite through skin but it does affect the judge's thinking on the judging of the skin and it seems like legs are the skin on legs are a lot easier to cook like there you, you said go. as long as you as you don't overcook and pop that tendon yep and if you can get the flavor in it you're comfortable with it don't be shying away from turning them in just because it's not a thigh. If you've got the okay. process down, man, take it to the judges. Okay. All right. Yeah. I, I think I'm going to give it a shot. Cool. All right. All There's right. only I'm, one piece of meat we haven't talked about. Do you feel like yeah. you want to talk about it? Yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> I have several questions. <laughs> All right. Get started. So, all right. So I've seen several of your videos and I've heard you several times. It sounds like you're a big believer and you always separate your flat. That is um, correct. Okay. I have tried that practice that and I have not mastered it by any means. It seems like I cannot keep it from drawing out. Um, keep what from drying out? Keep my flat from drying out. Okay. Um, so I, I don't know to, you know, I've tried to, you know, trim it down, um, to the, the size of what I want, get those rounded edges, you know, get it cut and trimmed like it would, you know, be ready to slice to turn it into a box. But it just seems like that has become too dry. Maybe I'm taking too much of the, the fat off the bottom. I'm, I'm not sure what I'm okay, doing. Okay. Let's 
start with which cooker are you cooking it on? Same hasty bake. Okay. Heat's coming from the bottom. So use your fat to protect what you want them to eat. You really want them to eat the meat. And if you can get that juicy, lack of better words, greasy, you know it's going to be full of flavor and juices. The fat on the bottom is important. It is a barrier protector. You can leave a little bit of that fat on there for turn-ins. I personally like that. Not everybody does. That's just something you're going to have to figure out for where you're cooking. Now, you, let's start you, with your cooking process. Okay, let's back up. What predominant cut of meat, when I say cut of meat, grade of brisket are you cooking? I'm buying prime briskets at Costco. Um, that's what I did well with at the last Bigsby contest. And so um, I love I was, prime grade briskets. I do. You're going right up my alley with that. I do love them. So, yeah, I mean, I've done at just, you know, I've only done a couple competitions and I've gotten top 20 in, in all of them. Okay. So I would hazard a bet that it's not necessarily your trimming that's keeping you out of it. I'm going to bet that it's your cook process. Okay. Okay. Because okay. that's where you get more inconsistency than your trim. Okay. Your your cooking has a lot to do with the size of your meat that you're going to be cooking. If it's super thick, if it's super thin, that's that's going to determine the time on the cooker. Do you wrap your brisket? Yes. Um, okay. And that's another another question I have. I have some questions around that. Do you inject your brisket with butcher barbecue? I actually do. Yeah, I do. <laughs> Sweet. I use your, yep, for sure. Okay. How much injection, okay, when you tried your flats, how much injection did you put into that flat? How much did you mix up? Do you remember? And how much did you inject? I don't exactly know how much I injected. I, I, I mixed up what the the direction said and okay. put it in like a Nalgene bottle. Uh, yep. But I probably only injected into... Now, I used that bottle, and I injected both my flat and my point, even though I had separated it. So I probably used half in the flat and half in the point. In how much meat? How Define how big your brisket was looking at it. I typically am buying a 16 to 18-pound brisket. Okay. That's what you I separated it. On. You trimmed it down to per, six, seven, eight inches wide? Yeah. Okay. That gives me an idea, a structure of what I'm looking at. I do exactly what we recommend. I use two cups of liquid to three quarters cup of injection. I try to put 80, 85% of that into my flat. I do not incheck my point. Okay. Okay. To me, the points have so much marbling. I want that flavor to come through. So I don't even inject my point. But I do try to use most all of it in the brisket. Flat. Okay. Flat. Let me get that straight. Yep. Okay. You're putting it on the hasty bake. H have your pork butts already been removed or you just have to fit them in there? So uh, they make a, um, for lack of a better term, it's a, a stand that goes over the grate. So you can put like a, a water pan underneath it and then set a brisket on top. Or you could have your pork butt. Uh, below and then that grate goes to each side and then i used to usually put my brisket up on top of that rack and then the lid the top of the chamber is so when you close the lid it's closer to the lid than grate level my brisket flat would be yes or my brisket yes okay let's keep going do you when you wrap your brisket what determines when you wrap your brisket well in the beginning it used to be i would wrap it at what i felt like was a good temperature um 160 um but i now have started wrapping when i think i've got the color that i like you know a darker mahogany even closer to little darker not black but um closer than that darker mahogany and then a wrap it but i've had really different 
temps and times doing that. So, um, I mean, sometimes it's been 170 and it, it's pretty much past the stall and it's just now getting the color I want to wrap. Sometimes it's, say, around that 160 and I'm not even near dark enough what I think is going to turn out to be a good because I do know it kind of lightens up after I, you know, have wrapped it and had it in that liquid. I've just had that. That may be my point where I've had some varying degrees of success for sure. How long in your hasty bake has it been on the average putting it on raw and getting it close to where you think wrap time is? How long a time is that? I want to say I'm putting on around two, two thirty. And then I'm pulling or wrapping, excuse me, six. Okay. So at what temperature is it cooking? Usually around two fifty-ish, two two sixty-five. Okay. You know, you gotta, you do have to work the hasties a good bit. Um, you know, they they'll hold some temperature for a while, but you've got to work them a little bit more than say a jambo for sure, or something that's really really thick metal. Okay. Yep. Yep. Okay. Let's stop at this point and go back to the beginning. Okay. You said that you feel that it's dried every time you've done that. Is that because with a whole packer brisket, you cannot put it up on that top shelf? It won't fit? Usually not. Um, it would, you know, so it's a lot of times too, especially, you know, puffs up and I don't want it to actually touch the hood for sure. Okay, two, I, maybe I three things stared out at me, and one of them is that top shelf. I understand you just got to have cooking room, no doubt. Sure. But you're putting that brisket in the hottest zone on that hasty bake. Up by that lid is a microwave oven, okay? okay. And when you raised it up to that very top level when it's separated, that's why it's starting to cook dry. You've got the same temperature as great level, but up top it's microwave because your heat's going to be all the way to the top. That's the circulation to come back down and for it to exit. What I would recommend is one of two things for your test. You're saying your pork butts aren't getting done enough, but your brisket may be overdone. Well, let's flip them. Yeah. Let's rotate them. Okay. okay. Then you're wrapping way too late. Let me late. digress and do a little scenario on how meat cooks. Okay. Okay. Meat, as you know, is mostly all water. Very little connective tissues, cell fibers, all of that is minute compared to the moisture in there, okay? If you was to take this brisket, and for lack of better words, this brisket has a live organism. Everywhere in it, it's alive because it's full of water. As you put it into a hot chamber, burning hot chamber of 250 degrees, the water will die when it dissipates, when it cooks, okay? So where is the coolest spot for that brisket, for that water to stay alive and to stay moist. It's in the very center because the heat's on the outside. So as it cooks, it's dissipating that outside surface and then it starts cooking in because you know it's always raw in the middle and cooked on the outside. What you have to do is to try to allow as much moisture to stay to the outside through your cook chamber. I'm sorry through the meat while it's cooking. Now, moisture will start dissipating from the meat at about 140 degrees, okay? okay. I, I believe that's too early to wrap. But I think it's the perfect temperature at about 150 degrees to 155. If you go to 160, 165, 170, and the old saying of, well, it's in the stall and it just won't get done. That's because there's so much moisture already cooked out of it. There's not enough moisture in there for it to push through it. The moisture continues to dissipate up to about 190 degrees, 185. 
Okay? So you have to get it through that period very quick. So around 150, 155, get it wrapped. Now scream it through that. Get it to the 190 as quick as you can. And then let it finish its temperature to whatever it needs to be. 197, 200, 205, whatever your cycle is for the age of the meat, how much is already, that's a whole nother podcast, getting one to age. So all that being said, I think you're waiting way too late. You're four hours on that top shelf. It's setting up there way too hot, way too long. I think that's a major part of it. Yeah, I'll try it. I just uh, I had been scared in the past that I wasn't getting quite the color I needed. Um, so I that made me hesitate and wait longer. I think color is really big on appearance, but don't get hung up on it. What did I say about everything okay. else? Flavor. Flavor. Yep. Okay. If you're having problems with juiciness, concentrate on getting moist brisket then worry about color right now the the thing you're trying to tackle is the juiciness let's get this juiciness then if you need to let's say for bark it up as you say start your pork pull that brisket out throw you some rub on it put it back on that hasty bake for 15 20 minutes and let that firm it back up before you start to cut it. You say uncovered that way? Yep. Okay. I used okay. to do that all the time. Okay. I have a pellet grill, and I had this in my head that when I unwrapped it, you know, the rub's mushy. There's no doubt about it. Sure. And I had, sure. oh, I've got to firm that up to slice it. I'd put it back out on the grate of my pellet grill, and my pellet grill, the heat comes from the top, so it was perfect. So I would put it back out there for about 15, 18 minutes and it firm that bark back up, but you know, it didn't improve my scores one bit. I have learned that from, uh, judging that I, I, you don't see as much as the bark as you think. That's right. Um, uh, when you're, when you're cooking it, you're seeing the bark all the time. That's really all you're looking at is looking at the outside of the brisket and the bark. Um, but once you make those slices and lean them over and stack them and, you know, uh, fan them out like a deck of cards. You, you don't hardly see it. Right. So I think that's the biggest part is you've got to look at it as a judge, but you got to be a cook. So did that whole right. cooking scenario answer a lot of your questions? Yeah, I think so. I mean, a lot of what you're saying makes sense and it, it leads into some of the results that I'm having. Um, I, I've scored well. Um, I actually, that, that brisket was definitely one where I thought, Oh, it's pretty good. It's not bad. And then I've done a lot better, uh, in the scores. So I, I'm close. Um, and I haven't done the separation of the flat and point in a contest because of, you know, my results in practice. So, uh, I want to try these new methods so that I can see if I can do that because I think I could condense my cook times for sure, especially for pork and brisket by doing some yep. of these tips and your brisket. When I was saying, check the temperature, I've got mine down as a time. I know cause I buy the same brisket, same size. It's trimmed okay. to the same width length. So I know it's going to cook at the same method. It's, I know at my timing when it's time to wrap you for the first couple times, you're going to need to probe to see what the temperature is at what time in your cook process. Okay. And there again, just like a pork butt, probe where you want to slice. Okay? Okay. No sense in probing one end if you have no plans to slice off of that. Okay. That makes sense. Um, I mean, with the size of, because I've seen the way you, and about the exact size that you trim to, I mean, that's not more than a couple hours uh, before you're probably getting close to 150 then, right? Let's see, two and a half hours. Two and a half hours. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And mine, uh, I'm at 260. Oh, cooking, 260. Yep. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That cuts down a lot of time because I'm going to, you know, you know, five hours maybe at the most compared to eight or nine or longer. 
Yeah. And don't be afraid if you have to miss it, you have to miss it. But that's going to come okay. in time as you go to slice it. If it's very leathery on one side, keep in mind, where was that on the cook chamber? And then watch for it on the next one and go, oh, it is drying out. Grab your spray bottle, hit it. And okay. then every 30 minutes, you might have to hit it. Will it keep it soft? Yes. But ultimately, you're trying to keep it from drying out. Would you say the same kind of trick with that flat to foil possibly underneath as a even more of a heat shield? Absolutely. That makes sense. I even do the same thing for the sides of my brisket, bud. Okay. So making like a little shield, a little tent shield for the side. Yep. You know, I'm going to do a selfish plug real quick. Okay. The Barbecue Champs Academy is where I throw all my tricks and tips out there. For any backyard cook that wants to learn every one of my methods that I do, you can get through it through my website. It's the $599, I believe, but you can, you have lifetime look at it. Okay. You can watch okay. it at your house 150 times. You can watch it in a hotel. It makes no difference, but you can watch one category, all four categories, whatever you want. And there's multiple videos on each one. And I don't remember how much is on each one, but like brisket might be broke down to five or seven different categories, how to trim, how to select, how to prep, how to cook, how to prep the box, just different things like that. But selfish plug over with, I just wanted to throw that out to you. There is a lot of okay. that on there. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. It, it sounds like with the results and some of the things that you're saying about the times and temps, uh, that definitely some uh, biscuits will be purchased here <laughs> in the near future. <laughs> the upside to biscuit testing is no matter if they're golden brown or just cooked all the way through, they all taste good with peach jelly. <laughs> all right. <laughs> For sure. We get some peach jelly to go along too. <laughs> well, all right, Sam. What else, man? I'm here for you. What else you want to go with? Um, you know, you, you answered a lot of my, my questions. These are some of the, that I had written down. So um, I, feel, I feel pretty good about a lot of my flavors. Um, uh, but I would ask, at times, people that I, you know, have tests for me, uh, think that I, you know, I get too spicy, especially on like my chicken. And, but it seems like from what I've seen or just in the times that we've been a part of it, you know, you, you need a little spice, especially in some of the competitions in Oklahoma. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? I know flavor is subjective, but okay. I, I do know that a lot of, it, a lot of the pieces that I've tested and judged, they've seemed very similar. So I know everyone's kind of seems like they're on the same brainwave at least. Spice is a flavor. Spice yeah. is a heat. Spice is savory. Spice is sweet. So if they say it's spicy, ask them what they're actually getting. Is it heat? And then find out where it's coming through at. Did you get it immediately or was it in the sauce? Was it in the meat? Was it in the rub? While you're chewing it, did the heat come through? So try to learn where they're getting their heat if that's what it is. And I'll tell you, what we've always did is it, we only cook 10 pieces of chicken generally, I don't even eat it. If there was any leftover, it goes in a Ziploc. We throw it in the ice chest along with all the meats. The next morning, this is why I do a lot of my flavor testing because you have to make sure that your food tastes good room temperature or cool as well as hot. When you're in your okay. trailer or under a tent, most of the time you're going to be tasting this while it's fresh, it's hot, everything like that. Put yourself in the place of a judge. Most of the time, it's going to be at least room temperature when they're being judged. So the next morning, you've done had a shower, hopefully, and you've washed all the smoke out of your mouth after being in it all day long. Yeah. Take it out of the Ziploc, take a bite of it. What do you get? You're eating that chicken for the first time. Man. Okay. It's, it is kind of flat. 
or all I get is sauce. Do the same thing with your ribs. Grab you a piece of that brisket. What are you getting out of it? Because that's when you'll know, oh, I need to step up my inner flavor of the meat more than just the rub. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I've definitely learned that about pork. Um, I've had some comments where they didn't think my pork was as flavorable, flavorful, sorry, as it needed to be. And that makes sense because on some of the pulled, it's from the inner portion of the the pork where it hasn't gotten a lot, if any seasoning. So yeah, the inside of that pork is almost flavorless. Right. But chicken, it's been, I've either gotten too spicy from, you know, not just competition feedback, but then, or not flavorful enough as well. So, you know, at times it's, it's been where, and most of my heat, that makes sense. Also, cause a lot of my heat is coming from hot, uh, yep. items such as cayenne pepper or you yep. know a mix of that um n- most of my rubs that i use are not oh not most spicy. Of my rubs no my most of my rubs are commercial i mean i use some of your seasonings i use um co- definitely commercial um started to make my own chicken rub i really like what i at least my base rub for my chicken um i really like it now I've changed a few things up shameless plug for you I'm, i love your honey rub so i use it a lot in different ways okay great as long as you understand that that's the first step like i said earlier you got to be honest with yourself i think that's it i think that i know there's probably more but um that's a good bit right there i definitely some good tips on my times and uh temps and where i'm cooking at on the cooker you feel like you know it i mean i've cooked now for seven eight years on my hasty bake but it's always learning process no matter what yeah and dude we're learning too absolutely yeah i i say the same thing you're a fan of the podcast you do know if you're done with questions it's my turn (laughs) right right i'm ready i'm ready all right he's ready (laughs) this is our butcher barbecue truth serum has been injected all right okay we're gonna kind of go easy but i got a couple questions for you okay when you hear your favorite song playing and you have to be forced to do one of these, what are you the type to do? Would you dance along with your favorite song or would you sing along with it? Oh, I'm definitely a sing along. I'm not a dancer uh, and my uh, singing's probably not great, but I'll sing along for sure. <laughs> All right. If you were asked to develop a chewing gum flavor, what would it be? Wow. Uh, chewing gum. Uh, I think it would be something sweet and spicy, like a, a Thai chili type bubble gum, maybe. Okay. That's, that's yeah. I'm out of the box. <laughs> if someone, this is our last question. We, we're okay. running short on truth serum. If someone was to write a story about you, would you be a hero, a villain, a lover, or what? Oh, gosh. Uh, everyone, I think, wants to be a hero, uh, but I think it just depends on the situation. Uh, I hope I'm not never a villain. I try to live right and be a nice person, but I, I just think that there are different situations. But, uh, you know, like everyone, I think I will hopefully I'd be a hero. Uh, in a good way, uh, no matter the situation. So, Well, cool. Sam, I think this is going to be a really good one. I love your questions. Awesome. I like the way that you wanted the questions presented back to you. You comprehended yeah. what we were trying to get across to the crowds. Is there anywhere you'd like for the public to follow you? You can, uh, I do have a, a barbecue group on uh, Facebook uh, called Barbecue Tulsa. You can check that out. I'm not trying to get a bunch of followers, uh, but it's definitely an open open group. So if you guys want to contribute, I'd love more people to contribute than I contribute. So that'd be awesome. Oh, that's great. I didn't even know about that. So, yeah, I'll try yeah, to find it. Yeah, check it out. Uh, jump on there. Um, you bet. It just started, you bet. As a, it started as a group. I think I mentioned that we were just posting pictures of what we took pictures of our boxes and different stuff from contests. And then it just kind of grew. And, uh uh, you know, it's cool because I don't post that much on there anymore because everyone else is posting different things on there. So it's, 
kind of neat. Well, great. Well, Sam, I appreciate your time. Thanks for taking the time to sit and chat with us. Thank you so much for getting back to me, David. I really appreciate it. It's, uh, I admire what you do, and uh, you know, you're you're one of the the best around in the barbecue world. So, I appreciate your time. Well, Sam, I appreciate the kind words. We we just like helping people. You know, yesterday I was yeah. talking with someone yeah. and they says, oh, you're a good dude. And I said, you know, I'm just <laughs> trying to not disappoint mom and dad. Yeah. Yeah. That's Still. For sure. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right, everybody. There's a guy fixing to tell you something here at the end of this podcast. I need you to listen and do it. We need you to like, follow, share, do everything possible. Let's spread the word about the podcast. Smash that subscribe button and be ready for Butcher's next podcast. <laughs>